Welcome to the You Should Know This podcast by BCC Research. Our podcast features innovative companies and individuals who are working to shape, disrupt, and revolutionize not only their own industries, but also the way we'll live and work in the future. Each week, we talk to visionaries whose work is something you should definitely know about. Now, here's your host, Clara Mowit. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Clara Mawad, and as a content specialist for BCC Research, I'm excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future. The importance of a healthy immune system is nothing new, but it certainly has been top of mind this past year. However, there's more to our immune system than simply fighting off viruses. Impacted by a variety of factors, including stress, nutrition, and lifestyle, it's far more nuanced than we might assume. With me today to break this topic down is Dr. Jenna Makochi, an immunologist whose focus is on understanding how nutrition and lifestyle interact with the immune system in both health and disease. A researcher, lecturer at Sussex University, editor at scientific journals, and author of Immunity, the Science of Staying Well, she is the perfect person to discuss the future and health in regards to immunology. Dr. Machoki, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Clara. It's my pleasure to be here. So could you start us off by giving us some background on yourself and then how you focused your work on immunology? Yeah, I mean, when I look back, I kind of fell into the field quite serendipitously. Um, When I was in high school and I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, I was really interested in the human body and health and disease. And then when I started researching different areas that I might want to explore um, as an undergraduate, then immunology just kind of stuck out as this field that really encapsulated that. Like, what is the human body doing in health and disease? So I was attracted to it from that standpoint. And then when I got, you know, and started studying, I just thought this is it, that I found the thing that I love. So I'm kind of lucky in that sense. I know it doesn't always happen like that for everyone. No, but when it does, that's definitely fantastic. And it's great that you did because your work is amazing and very, very important. Um, Given your expertise in immunology, your focus is on nutrition and lifestyle. Can you expand on what that means and then how you apply that in your work? Yeah, so I I mean, I I, um, started uh, after I graduated working on allergic diseases, actually. And um, I remember just kind of, you know, absorbing all this knowledge on on the immune system. But then when I got sick myself, I kind of had a disconnect between what I knew about the immune system and then how I took care of myself. So then I kind of, you know, weaved in my personal interest in, in taking care of my own health and kind of fused that with the field of immunology and thought you know what are the tangible things that we can all do to take care of our health because obviously there's you know lots of amazing medicines um, that we have in the field of immunology to treat all sorts of conditions like chronic diseases and cancer but you know on the day-to-day for somebody who just wants to have a bit of agency over their health can we use this understanding of the immune system to really um, give ourselves the best chance of staying well. I love it. I love it. And we're going to definitely dive into that a bit more. Um, But I want to start us with, uh, I know, a focus of your research, which is, can you 
go into the connection between metabolic endotoxemia, postprandial gut permeability, diet regimen, <laughs> and pre and probiotics with the immune system. I know there's a lot there, but so there's let's just lot. break it down. <laughs> You're getting all the technical terms out there front and center. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um, when we eat a meal, we have this kind of, transient effect on our gut wall that it becomes a bit permeable um, and we call this um, postprandial um, sort of leaky gut in a sense so it's got this kind of uh, permeability that helps us with the digestion of food and unfortunately a kind of part and parcel of that a bit of collateral from that is that some of the good bacteria that live in our gut can sort of leak into our bloodstream and then they can sort of trigger real transient inflammation and this is totally normal I don't want to scare people um this kind of happens you know every time you eat a large meal but there's lots of mechanisms for the gut to shut itself up again and repair and you don't even know that there's a problem so this is what we mean when we talk about um, postprandial gut epithelial permeability, so post-eating kind of leaky gut. Um, and what I've been sort of interested in is, can we moderate this inflammation that happens when we eat by having a really good diet, for example, because we know that certain fibres in our diet limit this response, so they kind of keep it maintained. And having a diet that's poor in fibre and high in lots of things like saturated fat or added um, fructose sugars can actually exacerbate this. So can we sort of, you know, turn the dial a little bit on this to stop it being so dramatic? And that's really important in terms of our long-term health, because we know getting exposed to a lot of inflammation over a long period of time is, is linked to lots of chronic diseases. Definitely. And then did you find that pre or probiotics is actually helpful in this regard? Yeah, I think there's definitely a role, particularly for the prebiotics, so feeding the good bugs um, in your gut with the right fibers. So not just prebiotics from pills, but also getting that diversity of fiber into your diet from, you know, all the beans and pulses, you know, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, all of these things um, are, are providing the food for them to, 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 they basically eat that fiber, produce these byproducts that help protect the gut barrier. So it's really about cultivating and like thinking of it like a forest that you want to, to really cultivate inside your gut by feeding them the right things so they can do their job properly. Got it. And that kind of leads us into a bit of a segue here, but I want to talk about immunology and technology because they're not as separate as some people might think with how far we've come along. And you've actually worked in the biotech field. So how did that evolution come to be in your own professional life? And then where do you see immunotherapy and allergen vaccines, which is your what was your focus going, going forward in the future? Yeah, I mean, it's a really exciting time. You know, um, was last year we saw the Nobel Prize given to an immunologist for his work on cancer immunotherapy. We're seeing really amazing results when we weaponize our own immune system uh, and, and help it do its job even better in certain disease states. So cancer is a great example. But when I was in biotech, it was looking at how we could stop ourselves responding to something that we were allergic to. So we were doing this kind of allergy vaccine. It's more 
retraining the immune system. So we give people a tiny, tiny bit of the thing they're allergic to, and we give it under the tongue. So it's kind of um, a, a site where we know that our immune system sees it in a safe way and starts to tolerate it and, and not react to it so that when they get exposed to the same allergen at a different time, they've already got this kind of tolerogenic response, we call it, where they're going to stop doing the inappropriate allergic response. And I think it's it's amazing. It's It's like you know, giving us more tools in our toolbox because for a long time we've had a lot of blunt instruments when it comes to treating a lot of these chronic diseases of the immune system like allergies, autoimmune diseases and certain cancers. But if we can sort of harness the power of what the immune system does anyway and kind of help direct it to what it needs to be doing, we can hopefully reverse some of the things that we see um, and, and alleviate some of the suffering in people who have these conditions. Did you, is this something that you saw happen with like severe allergies? Like you could see the the tolerance build for people, let's say, I mean, peanut allergy is a good example because it's very prevalent and um, people are aware of how deadly that can be. Is that something that you can see being like totally reversible in the future? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's some amazing studies that have come out really recently in London looking at peanut allergy. And, you know, we, we know that this can cause a severe anaphylaxis um, and lead to death in people who are inadvertently exposed to peanuts if they're allergic. And there's been some amazing studies where they've been able to retrain the immune system so that they can tolerate peanuts, which is just kind of life changing for people who, who have these conditions because avoiding peanuts in a really strict fashion is very, very difficult. But I think the, the questions are still out there of, you know, how long do we need to continue these type of, of um, immunotherapies so that we know that this is going to protect someone in the long term? And are there any side effects? You know, so this will sort of come as the field evolves. I think we'll get more of a sense of the sort of long term um, implications of these therapies. But so far, I think it's, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that the future is bright. Yeah, that's so cool. That is such great news. Um, and good news is always is always uh, welcome, especially <laughs> in when it comes to advancements in the medical field. Um, and actually sticking to this kind of particular topic, um, you know, you've mentioned a lot on how it's tied to the rise of autoimmune disorders, and that's become extremely prevalent. I mean, I, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it's getting kind of to a scary number right now. Um, mm -hmm. How do you see the future of immunotherapy evolving in general over the next, say, five to 10 years to kind of combat this? I think it's it's really going to explode. We've had so many encouraging results in the field and a lot of um, publicity around it with the Nobel Prize for cancer immunotherapy very recently that I think that we've got a lot more technical tools to be able to um, answer these questions that we still have. So that's often one of the limiting things in science is that if you don't have the technology to do the experiments you want to do, but now we've, we've really got there where we understand a lot more um, how to, to do the different studies that we want and get the answers to the questions. So I think we will see this dramatically a change. And in terms of autoimmune diseases, you know, there's a lot of um, um, what we call monoclonal antibody therapies that are now being offered for people with autoimmune disease. And th these are using antibodies that are really targeted to interrupt the um, destructive immune response that's happening in someone with an autoimmune disease. And they have um, you know, a better um, 
uh, outcome than using really harsh suppressive uh, immunosuppressive drugs because they have a lot of side effects and problems with long-term use. So we're sort of reducing, you know, the side effects that people get with drugs as well when we introduce some of these newer uh, immunotherapy technologies. I mean, that's really exciting, especially if we can I mean, it, it talks to a long-term solution versus the medication can be absolutely fantastic, but when you can make that switch, mm-hmm. that's that could be really life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we can't not talk about immunology and COVID-19. <laughs> um, how has the pandemic, or has it, I should say, shed light on your research in any way? Because, I mean, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the terms that I hear in conjunction with COVID-19 is, you know, it, it talks about the immune system, about those who are either, um, oh, and now the word is, is I, I don't have it, but um, immune compromised. That's it, right? So mm-hmm. it really ties directly with the immune system. So has this impacted either your active work or even your research at all? Yeah, I mean, it's made me a whole lot busier. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my, I wrote my book just before, uh, the year before the pandemic. So, so I was kind of thinking how infections were less of a problem in the Western world. And we had more issues with autoimmunity and cancer. And then along comes a pandemic to remind us that germs are still around and still cause us problems. So you have this dual challenge on your healthcare systems, you know, between the allergies and autoimmune disease and chronic disease, and then, you know, a, a pandemic that can come out of nowhere. So it's it's been a really busy year, definitely in terms of um, discussing my book, promoting my book, and I, I've always done a lot of media work. So I feel with COVID, I'm being asked a lot of questions around scientific misinformation. So it's always really important that I can bring a kind of balanced, impartial um, comment to uh, the print and press media because I, you know, it's it's really part of our role as scientists to avoid um, misinformation and set people straight. In terms of like research, um. Definitely really excited by all the studies that are going out around um, how nutrition and lifestyle can play into the severity of COVID and the sort of uh, outcome of of COVID infection. It's so early to say, though, I think we just don't know enough, but it's also highlighted a lot of health disparities, which I hope that then over the next um, few years, we can start to tackle. So, you know, things like vitamin D deficiency um, that we know is more prevalent in certain groups of people, making them potentially more vulnerable to infections. Um, I think that's something we need to look at. And people who are in a lower socioeconomic status who might be on that kind of lower end of nutrient uh, profile. So they're not overtly deficient, but just subclinically deficient. And that could also put them at higher risk of health problems, COVID or otherwise. So it's kind of highlighted a lot of these issues. And I hope it gets people talking about um, caring for their health and how we can bring the more vulnerable people along with us, you know, when we're we're taking care of a population. Because I think immunity is about your community. It's, we can no longer think of our health as an individual. It's about the health of our society. And we're kind of all in this together. That's powerful and, and such a good reminder because I think given... The pandemic, it's been a long year and sometimes it can get, it's easy just to switch into a very individual mindset. And so to have that reminder, just also in terms of overall health is is very key. Mm-hmm. Um, now pivoting 
only slightly, can you expand on the connection between the immune system and mental health? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that um, uh, I do a whole chapter on in the book, because I was just personally really fascinated about this. Um, we know that uh, the immune system has specific communication molecules that it uses to, to do its job and that these can directly act on the brain to change your behavior. So if you've ever been really sick with a flu, something like that, you might notice that you feel socially withdrawn, you've changed your appetite, you have no energy, you, you completely changed your behavior, you're not doing your usual stuff in the day. And that is the actions of your immune system telling your brain to alter your behavior, to give you the best chance of recovery. So this is kind of the early link that shows that the brain and the immune system are in constant discussion with each other. And then if we sort of start to look a bit further, we realize that the brain is also sending messages to the immune system. So your immune cells have receptors on them for different neurochemicals and hormones that are being released by the actions of, of your brain, what you're doing, what you're thinking. It's things like stress and anxiety, um, feelings of sadness, loneliness, um, you know, lack of social connection. This is affecting your brain and your mental well-being, but it's having a knock-on effect on your immune system. So we we now know that it, it's really critical that we consider this when we're taking care of vulnerable people. Um, the way a doctor speaks to a patient, for example, the type of room that they have to recover in, if it makes them feel good, you know, if they have a good social network around them, these are all now shown to be important in how well somebody deals with an infection, recovers from, you know, a trauma or a, a horrible disease. So it's kind of um, something that we've separated out for so long. And I think we can no longer keep the mental and physical health in, in separate camps anymore. Definitely. And let's say we have someone that is dealing with a mental illness, say either depression or severe anxiety, um, would your recommendation be to start with gut health or a balanced approach? Is there one thing that kind of would help lead towards a more better immune system? Uh, specifically in people who have mental health issues? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that, um, you know, that it's, it's going to be unique to the individual and it's going to be a multi-pronged approach there's never any quick fixes in terms of the immune system we do know that in some people a subset of patients with mental health issues that inflammation is a problem and that inflammation is acting on the brain and causing some of the um, issues that they're having so adopting a kind of anti-inflammatory lifestyle can be really useful and what I mean by that is not just diet but also different practices so making sure that you're getting some sort of physical uh, activity in your day even if it's just walking and uh, breaking up sedentary periods I think when it comes to diet we want to focus on um, a real abundance of different fresh produce um, getting all the fiber that's going to feed the microbiome because we know that there are also those bugs in your gut are also communicating with your brain and things like the good fats so um, omega-3 fats EPA and DHA they're sometimes abbreviated as these are uh, these make up part of your brain so your brain is actually made from quite a lot of fat is one way to put it and that these are really important um, structurally for the brain and they're also anti-inflammatory in their nature so um, collectively I think these are good strategies for anyone to try and incorporate and I think when we feel better 
and physically, regardless of your mental health state, that's going to, you know, just benefit how you're feeling. So whether you do, do or do not have a mental health issue. Right. Either way, that's going to be very beneficial. I love it. And we're going to actually, I mean, and to be honest with you, I think we've, you've really just touched upon most of them, but I, for my I, suppose, I could say final question. I feel like this conversation has just flown by. It's been absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but to kind of wrap this up is really looking at, you know, looking at our immune health long term. And to start this off, I actually have a quote from you that I, that I want to share because I really love the perspective that you bring. And you say, with the immune system as the thread that runs through our health, it's not about boosting, but about balancing. The same goes for health pursuits. It's about feeling fit and well and able without feeling restricted or imprisoned in the pursuit of health. I love this quote. Can you expand <laughs> on that in some... and? maybe tack on some easily applicable tips, kind of expanding on what you had just said for listeners, that they can bring in balance in these stressful times, looking at the long term of their health. Yeah, exactly. I'm always very conscious of, you know, not everybody has access to everything that they need to to have this sort of perfect health. And, and health is not uniform. It's always in flux. So I always kind of want people to feel released from that prison where they're trying to have the perfect diet, they're trying to have the perfect lifestyle. But this almost the stress of that is damaging their health, you know. And and I think that, you know, it's it's about all of the little things that we can do most of the time that is going to help us all of the time. So it's it's not just for COVID. It's not, you know, just about the next immune boosting supplement. It's about really the long game. And when it comes to the immune system, a lot of marketing is used that says we should boost our immune system. But actually half of your immune system is designed to turn the other half off. So it's kind of about balance. You don't really want it overshooting. You don't necessarily want it to, to be boosted like a binary switch. You kind of want to have this balance. Um, so I would say to people to take a real 360 approach to your diet and lifestyle. You know, even if you have the perfect diet, but all the other areas of your life are falling apart because you're really stressed, you're hating your job, you know, you're over-exercising or under-exercising, it's going to negate any benefit from having a really good diet. So it's it's all about the little things and finding enjoyment in life. I talk in, a, a bit in the book about the joy of the table, the joy of the table and eating and, and the endorphins that you get when you're enjoying a meal and you're not punishing yourself for eating the right or wrong foods that those endorphins are are nurturing your immune system that's really important part of caring for yourself as well but on a kind of um practical level yes eat, eat as many different fruits and vegetables as you can don't forget all the other sources of fiber like whole grains beans and pulses um and herbs and spices make it tasty make it enjoyable um make sure you're getting enough protein because that's the building blocks of all those things like antibodies that your immune system's making and make sure you get moving break up sedentary periods um and, and try and have a pretty good sleep routine so i think that's it's, it's about the little things that we do that add up. Fantastic. This has been honestly such a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to kind of walk us all through this and break this down for us. If people wanted to learn more about immunology and your work, and then where, uh, where could they connect with you easiest? And then where can they find your book? 
Uh, yeah, so I think my book is available on Amazon and probably all other booksellers. Um, and it's out now. You can also get it as an audiobook and um, Kindle version. Uh, and then um, the best place is probably to find me on Instagram. So it's um, my handle is doctor, so dr underscore Jenna underscore Machocchi, M-A-C-C-I-O-C-H-I. And I'm also on Twitter as Dr. J Mac, M-A-C-C. <laughs> Wonderful. And we'll link all of that below for sure. Um, once again, thank you so much, Dr. Machoki, for this. It's been absolutely fantastic to have this conversation with you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the You Should Know This podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or sending us a quick five-star review. Episodes come out weekly, and we're excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future.